episode, we're talking to David Morgan. David is the author of Snobbery, one of the titles in our 21st Century Standpoint series, published in collaboration with the British Sociological Association. David holds the position of Emeritus Professor of Sociology at the University of Manchester. His significant contributions to sociology were recognised in the establishment of the Morgan Centre for Research into Everyday Lives, where we have met today. In his book, David shows that social class is not simply about wealth, health and life chances, but also about everyday social experience, such as being included or excluded, and snobbery is part of this. As social inequality grows, snobbery is becoming ever more pertinent. It's also a more serious matter than we may think. The arguments around Brexit and Trump show that the accusations of snobbery have become part of political discourse and public feeling, building social divisions and reflecting deeper issues of class inequality. Welcome, David. Thank Thank you. you for speaking to us today. Let's start by talking about how you came to write the book. Over your career as a sociologist, much of your work has been around family theory and gender. When did you first begin to think about the significance of snobbery and what journey have you been on in writing this book? Well, the um, uh, thinking about it was almost uh, came about by accident. Um, we were planning at the Morgan Centre a conference uh, under the title of Atmospheres. And I, I was trying to think of ways in which um, this rather sort of, um, I think, very news kind of way of thinking about uh, social life could be related to some of the more traditional concerns of social science, and particularly social divisions and social class. And I began to thinking that um, maybe snobbery can be seen as like something to do with the atmosphere of distinction or something of that sort. Um, I, this was just a sort of casual remark, but it's, uh, one, um, one or two people took it up with some enthusiasm and said that I should uh, I should continue, uh, and, and I did. Okay. Um, um, and I think what has happened since then, um, I think the first thing I found that um, snobbery did seem to be a matter of widespread concern. I think barely a week week passed without my finding in um, some newspaper article or other, some kind of uh, article, not directly about snobbery, but where snobbery becomes uh, referred to or becomes a sort of major theme running through it. The article could be about something quite different, food or acting or mm. anything. But, um, you know, put it simply, there's you know a lot of talk about snobbery. And I think the second thing that um, came to me as I sort of began to think about it and to read and to uh, discuss, was that um, it is a matter of considerable importance that um, often we have a, perhaps a rather sort of light-hearted uh, view of snobbery. There's plenty of sort of jokes and uh, things and humorous put-downs and, and, and so on. But um, I think my, I, I gradually came to the impression that it's uh, um, you're much more important than that. And so I think part of the... Part of the aim of the book was to not only describe, you know, try to describe the various ways in which snobbery manifests itself, but uh, the overall significance, political and personal, uh, that snobbery has. Okay, thank you. Um, so, what is snobbery? Virginia Woolf said that the essence of snobbery is that you wish to impress other people. Um, in the book, you talk about this and lots of other ways of defining snobbery. Um, but what do you think is the most useful way for us to define snobbery? Well, I, I think 
um, as with all definitions, um, uh, the definition is, is often a kind of movable thing um, because it, um, and it's in, you, you, in, in exploring that definition, you begin to explore the complex range of meanings. But I mean, let me start with the um, the one which uh, Wikipedia uh, supplies. Um, a snob is a pejorative term for a person who believes that there is a correlation between social status and human worth. And I think that's actually quite a useful point of departure because it uh, looks uh, back to some of the earlier uses of the term but also forward to um, you know, its contemporary concern. Okay. And it sort of focuses on the fact that it's in some, some ways related to social hierarchies mm. and um, so on. Um, the examples in the book show that snobbery can be direct. Um, you talk about David Mellor and his interaction with the taxi driver. It's quite well known. Um, or more subtle and abstract, um, as when Emily Thornbury tweeted her image from Rochester. Um, however it manifests itself, why does snobbery matter? Well, I think it matters both at the personal and the political level. It matters because if you've ever been at the receiving end, of a snobbish put-down or a snub or whatever you like to call it, you know it. You, you, it's something that can, you can remember for some time, can quite affect your uh, sense of identity and, 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 and so on. So that, um, um, and we, I suppose, rarely think of the people who are at the receiving end of uh, mm. snobbish uh, statements, um, whether they're intended or otherwise. So I think that's, that's important. But I think also, I think it has um, a sort of wider importance um, politically. Um, and uh, as you indicated at the, at the outset, um, discussions of snobbery quickly entered into um, discussions of uh, Brexit, particularly those who sort of voted, voted to leave, um, and also the election of Donald Trump. That, um, uh, you know, quite a lot of the discussion of um, why, why there was this kind of um, popular rejection um, it was uh, couched in terms of snobbery and, and the people who were felt in some ways excluded, and not only excluded, but actually looked down upon and treated with contempt by others in society. It becomes a judgment from mm. one group of people on another group of exactly. people, doesn't that's it? Right. And yeah, that's, that's where right. snobbery is, that's because right. there's a hierarchy. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, and I think it matters as well, because in the book you say that snobbery can be vague and mm. abstract, and it's a lot to do with atmosphere. So it's actually something that's quite hard to pin down mm. as well, mm. isn't it? Yet can make people feel very yeah. uncomfortable and yeah. isolated. Yeah. Um, so... Because it's because it's hard to define. Going back mm, to the mm, first question, yeah. um, I think that can be difficult. Mm. Um, I noticed in the book you often focus on the potential and the possibilities for snobbery, rather than the acts of snobbery mm. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you could talk about a little bit more? Yes, I, I, yes, I think I, I think I could. Um, I think you know, going back to your um, point about how, you know, the difficulty of pinning it down in some cases. Very often, you know, I mean, if one went so far as to accuse somebody of snobbery, they might well say, well, that wasn't intended at all. It was just a casual remark. It's just a, I don't mean know. to be a snob, but... Exactly. There's all, all these kinds of everyday 
statements that people make quite quite routinely. I think that and it's partly because of it, it, it's so difficult to pin down sometimes. Um, and yet, you know, we, we know it's happened. We know that um, yes. we've experienced it. There doesn't have to be an action yeah, all the time, right. does there? Yeah. yeah, OK. And that's why I think it sort of fitted so well into the discussions of atmospheres that we had earlier at, uh, in Manchester. Yeah, you can see how one yeah. leads to the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, just thinking about that Emily Thornbury tweet as well that caused so much reaction, um, what impact do you think social media has had on snobbery? Well, I think um, I think it has a variety of ways. I mean, firstly, uh, as I indicated earlier, I think there have been lots of discussions, I say not directly about snobbery, but where very quickly sort of snobbery comes into it. Mm. Um, so... I mean, every every day, uh, food columnists uh, are often very good at this. You know, people like Jay Rayner or something like that. You very often have a sort of recognition, of course, that people may uh, this may sound snobbish, but yeah. that kind of uh, argument. So, um, so, and I think so. Social media has this. Firstly, I think it, it, it sort of perpetuated the anxiety about snobbery, not snobbery itself, but I think the, the kind of anxiety that people feel about snobbery, the feeling that they are you know, moving into slightly dangerous territory and never quite sure whether they will. So the fear we have yeah, of being right. seen as being a snob. Yes, right, yes. Okay. It's part of it. I suppose it's a bit like um, bullying as well, isn't it? It's probably mm. easier to be snobbish online yeah, yeah. Um, about another person or another group that's of right. people yeah, than it is... Right. Yeah to someone's face. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I found interesting in the book is how you can talk about how snobbery has changed over time. And you say in the Book of Snobs, written in 1848, Thackeray Mm. describes a snob as someone who looked up, Mm. admiring and imitating those with higher social status or greater wealth. And that's kind of the opposite of how we define snobbery Mm. now, that we're familiar with now. Um, and another change I thought was interesting is the change between snobberies of possession and snobberies of position. Yeah. So that's I think that's quite fundamental to yeah. the way snobbery manifests. So I wondered if you could talk a bit more about that. Yes, OK. Well, uh, we're, we're talking, if you like, about these two dimensions, which um, uh, I, I think are linked to each other, but you know, are, can also be distinguished. So the one is the distinction they've already made between um, snobberies of uh, position and snobberies of possession. And so snobberies of position are the snobberies that attach to a particular position, a relatively fixed position in society. Um, And I suppose the obvious examples are in a sort of more aristocratic society, the, the titled people and, and, and some bishops and earls and all, mm-hmm. that, all that kind of thing. Um, though you can extend it and it cont- continues with you know, vice-chancellors and whatever. Yep. Um, but uh, so the snobbery attaches to the position as much as to the individual who occupies it. Um, and, and then in, that's contrasted with uh, snobberies based on possession. Uh, and possessions, I, I, I mean, uh, you know, are here, here you come to the, if you like, the three capitals, financial, social, and cultural, that we often talk about. Um, so possessions in terms of uh, material possessions, um, so that um, material or financial capital is the actual wealth that you have. 
And I think increasingly one, one finds that this itself is um, not um, an adequate basis for snobbery in many cases, that, that um, you know, a common sort of theme in our culture, and, and indeed many cultures, is, is of, the, uh, of, the, of the person who's got a lot of wealth but no culture. Yeah, this is um, boorish and uh, oafish, and uh, you know, um, it displays the wealth in a vulgar, vulgar way by gold taps. And um, I think he is the example. Is it Dave, Dave West? Dave West. Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're talking about not just material possessions, but even more so. Uh, and then going back to these capitals, um, cultural capital. Um, you know, the the capital that you know the kind of knowledge and understanding and grasp that you have of some of the sort of key uh, cultural themes within a society, mm. you know, whether it be music or literature or you know, whatever is sort of um, held uh, in some kind of hierarchy as being uh, distinctive in, in Bourdieu's term. And also um, social capital, the people you associate with and uh, uh, often in order to enjoy the Aspects of uh, cultural capital. So, um, I, 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 the general argument in the book is that there's been a general shift from snobbery, which is based upon these positions in society, to these possessions, this wide range of different sorts of possessions. Okay. Um, but of course, it's when we're talking about a shift, we're talking about, um, if you like, a di- different mixture. We can still find snobberies attached to positions in society. It's almost as if um, possession isn't quite enough and you need position as well, mm. but we don't define position in the same way that we used to. So it's not official positions mm. um, like lords mm. and ladies yeah, and things, right. yeah. but you do, I don't know, you think about celebrities and things like yeah. that. Some celebrities have position that's regarded that's right. as important mm. and other people not so much. Um, okay. Um, so we've talked about what snobbery is, how we define it, um, but how is it part of our world? And I think looking at your concept of the snobscape, mm. as you describe mm. it in the book, is interesting here. How does this help us to think about snobbery in contemporary society? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose it was slightly uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> I, I'm having sort of started it, I, I think it does have some some legs to sort of take, take the argument further. Um, and it, it, you're linked up to other ways in which you, uh, people use the word scape to sort of talk about yes. aspects of social life. Um, I think because it, um, we're, we're dealing with um, uh, a sort of very irregular and sort of uncertain sort of terrain, and, uh, which consists not only of snobbery and its various bases, uh, possessions and, uh, and positions, um, but we're also talking about anti-snobbery, um, where it, it, it itself is, um, uh, you know, one can get uh, prizes for that, mm-hmm. um, and also um, what, what is sometimes called inverted snobbery, um, you know, where people um, uh, praise the... Uh, things which are usually held to be... Uh, so what's the difference between anti-snobbery and inverted snobbery? Well, I, 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 I think that, that anti-snobbery is just simply sort of um, 
a hostility a to the very notion okay. of slavery, whereas inverted slavery is to um, to elevate that which is often yes, despised. I understand. Um, great. So despite the clearly damaging social effects of snobbery, um, we'll look at those in a bit more detail later as well, but it's still often portrayed in a comedic way. Um, you say, for example, that mm, snobbery is mm. like a spice yeah, in yeah. Downton Abbey, yeah. and there's the classic example of snobbery's entertainment with hyacinth bouquet yeah, and keeping right. up appearances. Why are we comfortable with this? Why are we comfortable with being entertained by snobbery despite having a deep, mm. ingrained fear of being dis- defined mm. as snobs ourselves. Yeah. It's a strange it's, it's, mix. It's a strange mixture, but I think it's something that's been, been with us in different ways uh, for some time. It's, it's what I call, the, if you like, the news of the world phenomenon. If you remember the, uh, the old news of, world, news of the world newspaper which yeah. polled it a few years yeah. ago. Um, and that seemed to specialise in sort of having headlines and stories which said, isn't this disgusting, isn't this shocking? Mm. Um, This is really outrageous, but we really enjoy telling these stories in great detail. Okay. And it's that, if you like, that mixture of um, pleasure and condemnation, uh, often at the same time, which is, uh, I think, part of the feature of the uh, the snobbery. So as a viewer, that's that's what we get to do with these characters. Okay, going back to... Um, more social issues now. At one point in the book, you mentioned how the term populism is yeah. a potential example of snobbery. Um, populism's obviously a very relevant theme at the mm, moment mm, in the social mm. sciences. So it seemed like a good example to explore in terms of how snobbery can have an impact on the political agenda in mm. quite serious yeah. ways. Um, is speaking about people's voting decisions as populism mm. snobbish in the way that it has the potential to undermine? the significance and their reasons for the yeah. decisions they yeah. make? Well, I think it can be. I mean, I, I don't want to undermine sort of, um, uh, you know, volumes of um, uh, excellent political science and, 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 and so on on this. But uh, it can, in some cases, uh, be, or at least seem to be, a form of othering. Yes. Um, in, in other words, that, um, you know, they mm. are populist. They vote for populist reasons. Um, I vote for more rational reasons or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and, um, so I think it's covertly at least, it sort of often enters into those kinds of discussions, the various sort of notions of, sort of asking the question, how could people possibly vote for Trump? They say, how could people possibly vote Brexit or whatever? There's a certain left-wing arrogance mm. in saying things like it's almost an assumption. If only people had all the evidence, mm. they would vote yes, in the same right. way as that's me. Right. Yeah, I think right. I'm not quite sure how, but I think that plays a part in snobbery. I, 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 yes, I, I agree. I think that's very much what we're talking about. So, I mean, you, you, you obviously have um, sort of um, uh, populist uh, leaders and, and populist rhetoric. Um, but I think to, to assume that um, you know, members of particular movements or parties are themselves sort of simply explained in terms of populism, is I, I think, uh, uh, can be this form of othering mm. and, form, and therefore a form of snobbery. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really interesting. It was just an angle that I hadn't, I hadn't thought mm. about before. Broadening out again, the, discu- the discussion of snobbery in the book focuses on class, mm. um, both because it's an expression of class, and it's also one of the ways in which class distinctions mm. are sustained. 
Um, but I wondered how does snobbery fit with mm. other forms of discriminations? Um, you talk about racism and yeah, sexism sure. in yeah. the book. Yes, I, I, I think this is one of the areas of the my, my sort of study I, I found most difficult with, and I, I'm still not terribly satisfied with the with the, with the way I've treated it. I think there's there's much more to be said okay. on this, this kind of thing. Um, I think I still feel that um, snobbery is first and foremost to do with class and class divisions. That's certainly the way in which it's emerged historically. And I think that you know, certainly quite a lot of the discussion still sort of focuses on class and class divisions, however we define those terms. Um, but nevertheless, it's obviously the case, and, and, and I think one just has to look at, say, the history of British colonialism, for example. Mm -hmm. You can find plenty of examples of snobbery in the, in the, in the colonial experience, um, and which you're looking down at people not simply because of their uh, social status, but also because of their colour or yeah. their uh, ethnicity. Um, and uh, uh, you know, coming up up to date, I think looking at you know some of the more recent studies, particularly studies of um, education um, mm. and uh, the experience of young people moving or trying to sort of move up in in, in education, uh, that often they encounter um, discrimination and, and 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 sort of snobbery uh, in terms of not just their class but also their gender. Mm. And the race, and you know, I provide one or two examples of that in in the book. So I think that uh, my my sort of current feeling is that yes, I, I think that they are different things: um, class, race, gender. Just to take those three, they've all have they all have slightly different histories, uh, different sort of uh, uh, um, different deep meanings and consequences, and so on. Um, and uh, in, indeed, in many cases, I think racism and sexism are far more serious than, um, yeah. than, than snobbery. Um, nevertheless, I think that one of the things that happens is that, um, of course, is that in everyday, in, frequently they are combined, and, uh, as in those examples of the, 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 the child at school or something who's, you know, it's not just her, um, her class position, but also her race and her gender, which is yes. uh, the subject of... Uh, do you think that snobbery will eventually become as socially unacceptable as racism and sexism? Um, that's again, I think, um, an interesting, interesting question. Um, I, I, oh, I think it'll, it'll, it'll take perhaps a longer time, partly because uh, of this kind of very sort of covert nature that we already explored. So yes. um, it's very, you know, difficult to sort of pin it down and. And to eradicate it, partly because I think you know there has been actually much more detailed analysis of sexism and racism, homophobia, and all sorts of other mm. things. And I think also, um, I, I, again, I was sort of thinking about this prior to that. that um, we don't have a term. We hardly don't, we don't have a term called classism. No. Um, and in, but if we did, I think that snobbery would be, if you like, sort of one. Aspect or one one major sort of uh, ways in which classism gets done. Okay, one of the key messages that I took from the book is that, and we've talked about here, 
snobbery is not a property attached to individuals, but mm. the product of relations between different people and groups. Yeah, that's right. um, so. And then you have the sociological analysis. Why is a soci- sociological analysis of the claims and counterclaims about snobbery important? Well, I, I, I think a, a sociological analysis, of, or, or as, uh, as of anything in a sense, um, firstly enables us, or it should, uh, enables us to sort of stand back a little and start to ask sort of questions, to, sometimes to turn things on their head, to, uh, um, but you know, to hold it up in a slightly different light. Um, but of course, it's the, the, one of the abiding importances of uh, a kind of sociological analysis is to take the discourse away from sort of uh, questions of individual morality um, and uh, individual misbehaviour mm-hmm. um, to seeing that um, you know that these aren't just certain people behaving badly, yes. uh, but that they are behaving badly in a particular social context, which gives it meaning. and uh, It's a much more productive yeah, exactly. way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah. I think it's impossible to read your book and not reflect on our own behaviours. Um, I think you say at one point that most of us are snobs of some mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. and at some stages of our lives. I'm sure I, we have all made judgments about food, wine and music that mm-hmm. under analysis would reveal more about our prejudices mm-hmm. than we would be comfortable with. Um, aside from those we've already mentioned, what examples of everyday snobbery that we may partake in, almost without thinking, are seemingly innocuous but mm. dangerous, socially yeah. dangerous? Well, I, the one I quite like, which I, which I include in the book, and it's based on um, some sociological research, which is um, which is cited, is to do with Christmas lights. Yes. And um, uh, which are often the source of you know considerable. Um, uh, debate and discussion, ranging from those who um, actually sort of take uh, special diversions in their in their journeys to go and have a look at some spe- spectacular display of lights, usually in a sort of working class district, to those who sort of con- you know, who um, condemn this as uh, you know a, a waste of resources, waste of money, uh, a vulgar display, etc., etc. Um, and um, I think that you know, very often these kinds of um, rather everyday examples actually sort of betray some sort of deeper sort of anxieties about class and distinction and, uh, and so on. And what happens when, you know, you, you know I've used examples, you, know, you drive into a different area and you see something that is, uh, strikes you as strange or uh, offensive even. And that's still snobbery, I mm, suppose, yeah, isn't yeah, it? it? Because is, it's it that judgment. It is a judgment, yeah. Mm. Mm. Why are we snobs? What's our motivation Why are we for snobs? snobbery? Well, uh, again, I think um, we, we could provide all sorts of uh, reasons for that. Um, I think um, I mean, each sort of snobbish statement that we make or... or go through our head um, does have a particular history in terms of the way in which we're brought up um, in, in, in terms of uh, uh, the people we associate with, the kind of people we like to be with and, 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 and so on um, you know, ranging from the playground to going up to the people we associate with at, at work um, so you know, we can explain it, it does have these particular antecedents in our biographies um, but um, 
Now, I think that you know, there may be, uh, and here I'm sort of straying outside my territory, but you know, and no, doubt, no doubt there are sort of psychological um, understandings of you know, how people in, enjoy hierarchy um, and enjoy sort of the uh, you know, placing, one, seeing oneself in a certain position as higher or using the yeah, other yeah, to define yeah, ourselves. Yeah. Um, and um, I think also, um, and this is why I, uh, somewhere in the book I sort of liken snobbery to gossip. Around with it. It's rather a similar sort of practice, yeah. isn't it? Um, that, um, you know, we, we get some sort of pleasure out of the anecdotes and the stories that, you know, that, uh, you know, we've, how we sort of reflect on the horrors of Blue Nun or Bull's Blood or whatever, the, and the, which we had. So it's often a so kind of um, uh, critique of our former selves in some ways. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Are we all snobs? Is it possible to not be a snob? Um, I <laughs> yes, Probably I, it's, it's, it's hard diffi- to I not it, judge. It's, it's difficult, and I think you're right. You're, 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 it is hard not to judge, and, and indeed... It would be uh, a funny world and a very inadequate world if we didn't, people didn't make judgments and distinctions and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how you can avoid those judgments and distinctions sliding into snobbery yeah. is, um, is, is, is extremely complex. I and mean, again, I think a certain kind of awareness and I think also awareness that, uh, you know, the extent to which one uh, slides from, you know, condemning the, uh, the practice or the product or whatever it is to condemning the people who own Yeah, it that's the crucial difference, yeah. isn't it, I think. Finally, to look to the future at a time when social divisions only seem to be getting deeper, mm-hmm. do you think that there's a chance that snobbery will become more acceptable again? Or if it becomes less acceptable still, um, does it just become more covert and harder to recognise? So my question is, what is the future for snobbery? Well, I think that's, that's an extremely difficult question to an- answer. I, I mean, I'm glad you've asked it, because... Um, uh, but just, just quite where you take, and you, you, you could go in all, almost in opposite direction. You could think good, of good reasons for mm. saying that snobbery will will decline. Um, but I, I suppose the short answer, and the, you know, and the simple and rather perhaps simplistic answer, is that snobbery will go as the kind of social distinctions that give rise to snobbery themselves fade away, um, which is, of course is not likely in the immediate future no no not looking likely at all unfortunately um david thank you for speaking with us today david's book snobbery is out now um for more information please visit policy.bristoluniversitypress.co.uk